Well, again, welcome to Life Church. I'm Aaron Cole, the senior pastor. It's great to have you with us this weekend. And if you have your Bibles, if you would turn with me to the book of Jonah, we're going to be in Jonah chapter 2. It's page 692 in my Bible, if that helps you at all, 692. And again, this weekend we're kind of uh, doing things a little bit different. Uh, we we uh, are going to have some time to really respond to the message uh, at the end of this service. And so uh, we wanted to kind of... Uh, uh, do the opening worship and greet everyone and get right into the message and then come back with a, with a time to respond uh, on this campus, online, at the West Campus to be able to, uh, to, see, uh, to see really what God wants to do. And uh, as we've been talking about this, this first chapter of Jonah, it's this story, it's this narrative of, uh, of a man of God who's a prophet of God who doesn't, it's not so much about the prophecy as it is about the person and, and what God asked him to do and then how he responds. And uh, if you were here last week, uh, you, you kind of walked through those first 17 verses with us. And I want to kind of pick up where we uh, left off last weekend. And Jonah chapter 1, verse 17, the Bible says, And the Lord provided a huge fish to swallow Jonah. And Jonah was in the belly of the fish three days and three nights. So we know to this point that Jonah ran from God, but God never ran from Jonah. And again, I say this, but, but I, think, I think it always bears repeating. And that is, Christianity is the only religion on the face of the planet where the God, where the deity, pursues his creation. Every other world religion, man is trying to appease God. Man is trying to, to make the God or the gods happy. Uh, except when it comes to Jehovah God, God, capital G God, the, the God of the Bible. And the Bible says that God wants a relationship with his creation. That's the reason why sin is only sent Jesus Christ. Jesus says of himself uh, that he didn't come into the world to condemn the world, but that through him the world might be saved. It's all about this redemptive relationship. And uh, God actually pursues Jonah. We see the pursuit of God. It's his sovereignty. We talked about that last weekend. Uh, and, and how that he sends the storm. And, uh, and that God actually sometimes will send the storm. Sometimes we think it's all about, you know, 70 degree days and, and blue skies. But there are times where God sends storms. God allows things to happen. Um, you know, the, Jonah's number is rolled when they cast the lots of, of whose fault the storm is. And, and then God provides the fish. Again, it's a sovereign hand of God. Sovereignty means that God's will will be done. But then there's also this counterbalance that he allows somewhere in his wisdom for the responsibility of man, that man has a choice, that we're not rock'em, sock'em robots, but that we're free moral agents and have the ability to choose to do as God will ask us to do or not to, but ultimately his will will be done. And so we see this. And the fish that God provides in verse 17 actually takes care of Jonah in the storm. It's not the negative. It actually takes care of him in the storm. Now, that, that's where we kind of pick up then in, in chapter 2. And, and I want to read this in, in verse 1 of chapter 2. It says, So from inside the fish, Jonah prayed to the Lord his God. Capital G. Inside the fish, the Lord prayed to, to the Lord his, Jonah prayed to the Lord his God. Now, what do you do in the belly of a fish for three days? You pray. If you're going to take notes, it's probably a great thing. If you ever find yourself in the belly of a fish, just pray, right? That's what the word is there. Um, and have you ever felt like you're in circumstances like that, where you feel like you're being consumed or swallowed up? Sure. So, and this is where some people go back to and say, see, that's metaphorical. It's, it's allegorical. It's not really truthful. There's no way... 
You know, this is my problem with the Bible. This is what people say to me. This is my problem with church. This is it right here. Let's just stop for a minute. Let's stop. Because again, I never heard a pastor address, is it allegorical, is it metaphorical, is it historical, or even defend that fact. Well, let's talk about that for a minute. Can a person stay alive in the belly of a fish for three days? No. Science would tell you it's impossible. I would agree it's impossible. Most people on the street would tell you it's impossible. God would tell you it's impossible. I mean, God created man to survive with oxygen, and you cannot do that in the belly of a fish. I don't think anybody has a problem with that. And, 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 and it's just not so. So are you saying the Bible isn't true? No, I'm saying that it's, it's historical. We talked about that last weekend, that Jesus talks about it. We, we talked about the, all of the factors of why. So if it's not possible, and science agrees, and even God himself agrees, then how can you defend this? Very simply, it's a miracle. Ah, you're going to play the miracle card. No, 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 no. Track with me for a second. If you believe in God, capital G, and you believe that he created the heavens and the earth and all there is, and he created man to survive on oxygen, and he created fish with his digestive, digestive tract, is there anything he can't do? Seriously. If he created six billion people on this planet with unique DNA, genetic encoding, that's specific to every one of those people, and and unique thumbprints, is there really anything that God can't do? And beyond that, let me ask you a question. Is there any time in your life where you would have one of those, I wouldn't be here if it weren't for God stories? Ah, I don't know how I avoided the crash. The the semi was jackknifed and I was going 75 miles an hour and I closed my eyes and I gripped the steering wheel and all I know is I made it through the other side. I I was going down, it was heavy rain, a hydroplane went all the way through three lanes of traffic. I don't know how I ended up the way I did. I, 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 I did this and I should have died and it should have died in that car accident, but I didn't. How do you explain that? What's a miracle? So what's the difference between your miracle and a miracle in the Bible? Let me put it like this. A person can't stay alive in the belly of a fish any more than a person can die on a cross, go in the tomb, and be dead for three days and rise again. We have no problem with that. Why do we have a problem with this? Mm, Don't shout me down when I'm preaching good. I'm telling you, at some point along the journey, you have to go. That's faith that comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. It's by faith that we're saved, by by grace that we're saved through faith. And that not of ourselves is a gift of God that any of us would boast. I'm not asking you to check your brains out the door. I'm just simply saying, if God created the heavens and the earth and all that there is therein, and you have specific examples in your own life, as I do in my life, where I wouldn't be here if it weren't for God miracle moments. And we know that God's a God of miracles and we pray and ask him to do miracles and a matter of fact at the end of the service today we're going to have an opportunity to do that again then why couldn't God produce this here he can and he did and that's exactly where Jonah finds himself now verse 2 through verse 9 is the prayer that Jonah prayed and this prayer, it, it's got so many multiple references that what I want to do, I'm going to read verses 2 all the way through verse 9 then we're going to unpack it for a minute so let's begin in verse 2 Jonah said, in my distress, I called to the Lord, and he answered me from the deep realm of the dead. I called for help, and you listened to my cry. You hurled me into the depths, into the very heart of the seas, and the current swirled about me, and as your waves and the breakers swept over me. And I said, I have been banished from your sight, yet I will look again towards your holy temple. And the engulfing waters threatened me, and the deep surrounded me, and the seaweed was wrapped around my head. And to the roots of the mountains I sank. 
to the earth beneath buried, barred me uh, in forever. But you, O Lord, my God, brought my life up from the pit. When my life was ebbing away, I remembered you, Lord, and my prayer rose to you and to your holy temple. Those who cling to worthless idols turn away from God's love for them. But I will shout with shouts of grateful praise and will sacrifice to you that what I have vowed I will make good and I will say salvation comes from the Lord. Now, out of this, um, and I want to give some some props to John Piper because as I was working on this message, I came across a couple of thoughts that he had that I've kind of commingled with a few thoughts uh, here that, that really pop out at me. And I want to give you seven truths basically from this of, of, of how and why God answers us. Because I ask people, people ask sometimes, why, why does God answer his prayer? And how does he answer his prayer? And what about in the middle of distress? This is a great, great, great teaching on how and why God answers when we pray. First of all, God answers in spite of disobedience. God answers in spite of our own disobedience. Sometimes we think if I'm perfect, God will hear my prayers. If, it's kind of like tuning in a, a, an old radio, ham radio, or, 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 or turn dial a radio station type before digital tuning. It's that tuning in. If I just get it just right, if I, if I just get everything just right, then God will hear me. Well, God actually will hear us even in spite of our own disobedience. Jonah's in the water because of his own disobedience. And while he's in the water, all we know is that that period from verse 2 to verse 9 is three days. We know that he probably gains and and ungains consciousness back and forth. He's probably blacking out in and out. He's literally drowning and this fish attacks him. It's not like all of a sudden, boom, the fish attacks him and he's like checked into the the local La Quinta and he's there for three days and he's just going to be escorted back out onto dry land like this is some submarine watercraft that God has provided for him. No, this is a tumultuous experience. It's a grievous experience. It's, it's a traumatic experience. He's drowning. Uh, he's, he's, he has drank his fair share of salt water. He, he's, he's got seaweed wrapped around him. But in all of this, he cries out to God. And God answers him even in his own disobedience. And what's important to understand is this. He knows that God allowed him to be in that situation. He knows ultimately he was disobedient to God, but God was the one who allowed him to be hurled over. God was the one who, who, who put him in that situation. God was the one who sent the storm. He gets all of that. But instead of playing the blame game with God, he actually cries out to God for help. That's what's important. Because when we get our proverbial rear end in a sling and we get ourselves in trouble and we get ourselves where, where, where there are deep problems and situations, many times what we want to do is we want to begin to blame. Well, why God? Why the storm? And why the fish? And why the seaweed? And the salt water doesn't taste good? And, and it's three days and, and I mean this tumultuous and I'm blacking in and out and I'm coming in and out and I just don't know how much more I can take and oh, why me? And God, what, what's this? And, or, or people cross their arms and go, well, if God really is that way, then why does he do this? And I can't serve a God who does that. That's not the way Jonah approaches it at all. It's not because he's super spiritual, because he's actually been living in rebellion for a while. It's because he realizes the only way out is God. And he realizes that's his only help. And instead of blaming God, he takes that energy and he just cries out and says, Oh God, deliver me. That's what the Bible says. Psalm says, a broken and a contrite spirit God will never turn away from. 
I don't care how much bad stuff you've done. I don't care how much you've ran from God. I don't care how perfect, how imperfect, how good, how bad, how spiritual, how this or how that. When you cry out to God with a broken and a contrite spirit, with a, with a, with a heart that just says, Oh God, please have mercy on me. God will answer you. Every single time. You play the blame game, God goes, hey, go on with your bad self. When you come to the end of you, then you, 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 you'll cry out. And God's not inflicting punishment. It's just things in life are happening around us. And Jonah cries out to God and he receives help. So understand, even in your own disobedience, God will answer you if you will ask him. Second observation here is in verse 3. God answers in spite of his own judgment. God answers in spite of his own judgment. Because God is a righteous God. And he balances judgment and mercy in his right and his left hand. And, and, and the ship's crew actually throw Jonah overboard, but it's under God's direction. And we talked a lot about that last weekend, and I don't want to rehash it. But I do want to do just, again, make that connection. Nothing, goes, nothing happens in our life that God, at the very least, doesn't allow it to happen. I didn't say he caused it, that he allows it. The loss, the sorrow, the pain, the abuse, the divorce, the death, the bankruptcy, the whatever. We might have had a part in it. We may have been like the sailors and been victims in a storm. But at the very least, God allows those things to happen. But he doesn't allow those things to happen to punish us. God is not a God that punishes his creation. This is important that you understand this. Because there's two perspectives, there's two basic glasses that you could put on. And, and I'm not asking you to put on a pair of rose-colored sunglasses, but, but one's polarized and one's non-polarized. One, you have the ability to see a whole lot more, and one, it's just pretty much just going to deflect the sun. And what people do is they put on these glasses and go, well, you know, if you do good things, God will do good things for you. you do bad things, God will do bad things for you. No, that's how, that holds no theological water. Nowhere in Scripture does it say that. It says that God loves us. It says that God chastens us. It says that God disciplines those that he loves, not punishes. There's nowhere in Scripture that God punishes his people. He disciplines, and it's completely different. We talked about this last weekend, but, but, but for the sake of us that are here, I, I just want to say this. It's like the difference between, you know, when I go to the dentist, and I've got, a, and I've got an abscessed tooth, that, that dentist is going to take Novocaine and shoot it into my gums, which is going to hurt before, before it begins to heal it. And then the dentist is going to take the drill and... You know, oh, and then they're going to hit the nerve. You're going to seize up for a moment. You know, give me something, knock me out. Elizabeth, this is a big one. I'm coming home kind of a moment. But after it's done and over with, and the root canal is over, and maybe a few Vicodins later, but after it's all done, we're healthy and we're healed and we're moving forward. Did it hurt? Yes. Was it to harm us? No, it was to help us. The same thing in our own life. That when we are children of God and we walk things out, are there going to be some things that will be hurtful that will come into our lives? Yes. If you haven't been hurt, you haven't been in church very long. Come on, don't shout me down while I'm preaching. It just happens. People, it just, it's, it's life. It's the world in which we live in. But God allows those things that the enemy would try to use to destroy us for our good. And it's not to punish us, it's to help us. It's not to harm us, it's to help us. And so Jonah understands this. And in spite of God's judgment, he answers and he speaks. The next thing is God answers and he always delivers from impossible situations. 
God answers and he delivers from impossible circumstances and situations. Verse 5 and verse 6, we see the extremity of Jonah's plight. We, we, we see the, how he is drowning. He's in and out. He's taking in so much salt water. He's overwhelmed. He's probably blacking and coming in and out of consciousness. And sometimes life can feel that way. This is a prophet of God. Yes, he made some wrong choices. Yes, he disobeyed God. But life can feel that way, even in the life of a Christ follower. And if you're kicking tires on this thing called faith in Jesus Christ, and you're trying to figure out, man, if I do this, am I like, is this like a get-out-of-jail-free card on life? The answer is no. The Bible says it rains on the just and on the unjust. Well, then what gives? What's the upside to being a follower of Jesus Christ? Pretty simple. That when you're in the middle of that mess, you've got somebody to cry out to that can help you. Because how many of you know, hey, your friends are gone, and, and, you, and your brothers are gone, and your sisters are gone, and everybody else is gone, 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 whoa, whoa, whoa. And it's just you and Jesus. You know, it's one of those Jesus take the wheel moments, right? You know what I'm talking about? And it's just a deal where only God can show up. You've been there before in that midnight hour, in that time where you feel like you are just about to implode, like everything in your life is coming in on you, like, like, like the enemy of your soul is just rushing in on you. And there's no way out. And the only way out is God. That's the deal. And, and what's amazing to me is Jonah is crying out to God. And he's speaking in faith to God, even in the middle of those circumstances. I'm here, but the story's not over. I love what David says. Don't, don't gloat over me, my enemies, for though I have fallen, yet I will arise. I may be down today, but I'm going to be up tomorrow. I might have had my, my legs cut off at my knees, but you give me enough time, I'm going to be back. Because greater is he that's in me than he that's in the world. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I'm overcome by the blood of the Lamb and the word of my testimony. You know, that, I mean, it's that, that's the power that we have as a Christ follower, that we're able to do that. And you go, well, that's just a bunch of emotionalism. You talk to me when, you, when, when, you, when you're down, there's no place else but up. You, you come see me when, when everything else is gone and you talk about emotional. No, it's not. It's the word of God. And Jonah understands the word of God. He's a man of God. And he understands the situation he is. But he understands the only way out is up. And that's through God. And he declares, I may be in the belly of the fish, but the story of my life is not over. You haven't written the last chapter. He declares salvation comes from the Lord before he's ever saved. It's not an oh, woe is me. It's not a, I'm going to sit and squall and bawl and I'm going to, oh, how could this happen? And God, why do you do not love me? And God, what's going on? It's not any of that. It's this deal of God, I know my only way out is you. And I know that you have the ability to deliver from impossible circumstances. And you may be in an impossible circumstance today. That's the reason why this, this is one of the messages of the Bible. That God will deliver even in the impossibilities of life. And verse 7 says that God always answers on time. It's always on time. Can I tell you, he's very rarely is he early. <laughs> but he is never late. He is always on time. Always. But man, I just feel like I'm down to the last of the last. Galatians says, don't become weary in well-doing. Why does it say don't become weary? Because you do become weary in well-doing. It's not easy to do right. It's not easy to choose to live a righteous life. Look, if, if living for Christ was easy, everybody would do it. Serious. 
If following Jesus Christ was easy, everybody would do it. They don't do it because the world doesn't do it because it's, e- it's, it's easy. They don't do it because it's hard. Because you have to deny your flesh. You have to take up your cross. You have to follow Christ. You have to lay yourself down. And only in laying yourself down do you actually gain life. You've got to be willing to give up in order to get up. You've got to be able to, to lay it all down. And the reality is, is that though in the life of a Christ follower, understand this. God will always answer when you cry out to him. And he's never, ever late. You go, well, it took three days for Jonah. Well, there's a reason. We'll find out in just a minute. Not only is it a Christophany, which is a, which is a Christ type of the Old Testament, which foreshadows what Jesus Christ will do. Because, I mean, the life of Jonah and what Jesus Christ does for the redemption and the message of the cross, it's a mirror image of that. God does that all throughout. And it's not to the end of the journey that Jonah really understands that. And completely, I don't know if he completely gets it. We get the ability to be able to read to the end of the chapter. But God always works on perfect time. And the next thing is, is that God, when he answers, he answers in stages. And those stages usually aren't comfortable. God answers in stages. And those stages usually aren't comfortable. I mean, I wish he, I just, man, seriously, I wish... That as a pastor, when I go to divinity school, that I could, could get some special class where I could just, I would call it the zap you class. You know what I'm talking about? Where I could just lay hands on people and just zap them. And whatever addiction, whatever problem, whatever concern, I could just zap you. You know what I'm saying? Don't you wish you could get zapped? I wish I could get zapped, lose 20 pounds. Just zap me. I'm going to hang on to my pants right now. Just zap me. I mean, you, you know, it would be great, wouldn't it? Whatever you're dealing with, you just get zapped. Right? Whatever your issue is. Because look, everybody in this room has issues. And those are the first, well, I don't have any issues. You, got, you are really jacked up because you don't even know how jacked up you are. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah, oh, don't shut me down when I'm preaching good. But it doesn't work that way. It, it doesn't. It doesn't. Love that old, old song, you can't hurry God. No, 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 you just have to wait. You got to trust him and give him time no matter how long it takes. There's just a way that God works. And he usually works in stages. And those stages are not always comfortable. Again, Jonah cries out to God. And he's in this belly of this fish for three days. So he cries out. This is the sequence for Jonah. He's in the belly of the fish. The fish was Jonah's salvation, right? And Jonah's life is spared. But he's in and out of consciousness. Three days in poor but life-giving conditions. And then he's basically regurgitated up on dry land. The Bible uses the word vomit. Now, let me make a statement about this, these stages that God answers in. Don't get discouraged or disregard the partial works of God. Don't get discouraged or disregard what I would call the partial works of God. God sometimes zaps. Sometimes it's immediate. Sometimes the chains are gone immediate. Sometimes it's just boom. But in most cases, we see it in Scripture and we see it in life, that it's a process. And those steps along that process, don't disregard those. Don't disregard the fact that God is at work, that God is helping you, that God is working things through. It, it, it may not clear up overnight. Don't disregard that it's getting better and it's getting better and it's getting better and it's getting better. We have a tendency to play that down because we... Humanity, we have a flair for the, for, 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 the, for, the, for the special, for the miraculous, for, for the sensational. We love to see this rags to riches, comeback type of a story. And the reality is, is that it doesn't always work that way. The reality is many times it doesn't. And we don't stop for a moment and celebrate those 
partial workings, those times where God is in process, those times where, where, where you know, again, for, for Jonah, it's, he goes from, from bad to worse on the storm, and then from, even, from worse to even worse into the ocean, and then he's in the belly of a fish for three days, which would somewhat seem even worse, but even in that moment, God is saving him from drowning through the vehicle of the fish. And it's not going to get better before he gets out on dry land. And when he gets on dry land, he's going to need a shower and, and all of that because he's being vomited up by this fish, the Bible says. The reality is sometimes we have a, a tendency to get discouraged that God's not working fast enough and not to celebrate those, those steps in which God is working, which those bills are being paid. It's kind of like when you're trying to get out of debt, that first credit card, celebrate it that, you, that you've paid off. Not the first one you charged up, but that you paid off, right? Celebrate that. It's that deal. Celebrate those five pounds that you've lost. Celebrate those five days that, that you've been in, in, in good, quiet time on a regular basis. Celebrate whatever that is, th- those milestones. And understand that God is at work. And let me say this too. It's in my notes, but I'm going to say it real quick. Many times, many times, most of the time, God works processively. He doesn't work instantaneously. And we like the instantaneous. It, it, it gratifies our flesh, to be really honest. It's fun. I mean, it's spectacular. It's like, wow. And there's something about it. And, and, I, and I love it too. But the progressive work of God, much like sanctification in our life, much like the cleansing of, of, the, of, the, of the work of the Holy Spirit in our life, it's progressive most of, most of the time. It's day by day, by day, by day. It's day in and day out. It's God working in little increments to helping us, to develop us, to grow us, to do this. Because he's God and we're not. He understands things and we don't. And maybe the promotion isn't coming fast enough. Celebrate the partial works, the victories along the way. Maybe, maybe whatever the, the thing that you're facing isn't, isn't the mountains. Not, you're not seeing it crumble fast enough. Just be patient. Just don't become weary and well-doing for a due season if you don't quit your hyper reward. Just day by day by day by day. And let me tell you something else. There may be struggles that you never completely, that are, that, that are never not going to be struggles in your life. It's what Paul calls the thorn in the flesh. He said, I, I asked God on three separate occasions to remove this. And God's word to me was, my grace is sufficient for you. And there are times where we struggle with things in our life because we have failed flesh. I'm not talking about pet sins. I'm not talking about, about backdoor sins that we have that we harbor in our hearts that we don't want anybody else to know. I'm talking about things that we struggle with, that we are actively trying to overcome. There are times where the word of the Lord for those is that His grace is sufficient and that we come to Him and that we lean on His grace and we lean on His grace and we lean on His grace and we lean on His grace. And I think this is brilliant because if we knew what Paul's affliction was, then it would alienate probably 90% of us. But because we don't know, we all have a certain amount of connection to that to go, hey, if the Apostle Paul, who under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit wrote most of the New Testament, had a thorn in the flesh, then, uh, man, I'm in good company. And so understand that God works in stages most of the time. It's usually progressive and not instantaneous. Sometimes it is instantaneous. And two, two, other, two other observations before we wrap this up. God answers in order to win our loyalty and our thanks. He says, Jonah says, these idols, I don't cling to these idols. I turn to you to, my, to be my salvation. 
And an idol is anything that you cling to to take care of you, but, but can't. Anything that you look to to take care of you. Anything you cling to to take care of you, but can't. Jonah's saying, I've been running after the wrong things. I've been running after the wrong idols, and I've had a change of heart. And notice, this change of heart happens in the fish, not on the shore. In the middle of the battle. When everything's raging. When it's dark. In the midnight hour. When there's no salvation that's seen yet. When the faith has not become sight. These are keys. Because sometimes we want God to work everything out, then we're going to serve Him. And He doesn't work that way. Can He work that way? Yes. Does He work that way most of the time? No. And I'm telling you, and I'm reiterating that over and over and over. Because somebody in this room, I'm trying to get it through your thick skull for you to understand. You're not doing something that is wrong. You just have to have to understand where you are. It's not that you're bad. It's not that God doesn't love you. It's not that God doesn't care for you. It's not that God isn't listening. It's that he's progressively working it out for your good. He's working his will out for your good. He understands your flawed. He understands your failures. He understands your weaknesses. He created you. You are created in the image and the likeness of God. And he understands these things. But he's working these things out. And in this process, he is ridding you of every idol, everything, everything that would put itself in the place of God till you come to the end of you to say, God, there is only one and it's you. And that decision is never made on the shore when everything is safe. It's made in the middle of the belly of the whale or in the belly of the fish in the middle of the night where you just go, I don't feel anything. I don't feel warm fuzzies. There's no choir that's singing. There's no band that's playing. There's no preacher that's preaching. I am just going to make a decision that I am going to follow Christ, that I am not going to give up, that I'm not going to quit, that I'm going to believe the word and the works of God. And, 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 and I understand that I'm going to rid myself of anything that I would look to, myself, my job, my money, my friends, my, anything that I would look to, to try to, that I, would, that I would put up on a pedestal, that that's my safety net, that's my salvation. And God, I'm just going to look to you. You know the reason why sometimes things get bad before they get worse? Because God is stripping us of all of those things, all of those issues, all of those idols. I mean, I know we don't have little carved images in our yards and, 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 and in our houses, but, but, but all of those things that we would look to, maybe this will help the business. Maybe this will help the relationship. Maybe, maybe this will work. Maybe this will work. Maybe this will work. Maybe this will work. Maybe it's kind of like, like, like somebody trying to diet. You know, maybe this diet will work. Maybe this diet will work. Maybe this regimen will work. Maybe this will work. Maybe this will work. Maybe this get-rich scheme will work, or maybe this plan will work, or maybe this will work. And we just try all of these things, and God just says, look, when you're done with all of your running and your going, and you come to the end of you, and you make that decision, and you have that change of heart, here I am. And God answers the last thing, to help us become more merciful. To help us become more merciful. This is interesting. We'll talk about this next week. The storm actually prepares Jonah for Nineveh. Because Jonah disobeys God. God allows the threat of destruction. Jonah cries out to God. God gives grace and mercy. And that's exactly what happens in chapter number 3. Let's go to verse 10. God's response to Jonah's prayer. And the Lord commanded. Again, that's the sovereign hand of God. The fish. And it vomited Jonah onto dry land. Not exactly a graceful entry, but it happened. Look at this. And the Lord, God hears. God hears. If you don't hear anything else I'm saying today, just get this. God hears. 
The prayers you've been praying, he hears. The struggles, he hears. The frustration, he hears. The cries, he hears. The silence, he hears. He hears. Sometimes that's all we need to know. Because you feel like you're, you're, you feel like if he really heard me, it would change. It would change faster. But he hears. Secondly, he commands. The Bible says, and the Lord commanded. God commands. Wherever you are, understand this. God is sovereign. God is God. And he holds this world in the hollow of his hand. And he has created you. And he loves you. And he has a plan for you. That's not my ideas. That's his word. And, and the reality is, is that sometimes in the middle of the storm, it's hard to remember that God is still God. And that God never changes. And that God is in control. And I just want to remind you, he's still God. I don't care what happened at the plant this week. He's still God. I don't care what happened in your office. He's still God. It doesn't matter what's going on in your home. He's still God. It doesn't matter what the doctor says. He is God. And sometimes just knowing that it's he that hears and it's he that's commanded and it's he that's allowed, we understand that he has the whole world in his hands. Yes, everything in this world in the palm of his hands. That's why we serve him. If he wasn't sovereign, if he's not God, if he's not the creator of the earth, if he's not the author and the finisher of life, then what are we doing? But he is. He is. He is. And the good news right there in verse 10 is that you're saved. Why? Because you serve a God who hears you when you cry out. You serve a God who is sovereign. And he commands the creation of this earth to bow at his feet and to perform his will at his voice. And he saves us. In the middle of our stress, in the middle of the fish, in the middle of our life, in the middle of everything. Isn't that what happens at salvation? We're saved from our sin. We're saved from ourselves. We're saved from our circumstance. Isn't that what happened with Jonah? He was saved from his sin of disobedience. He was saved from his own self. He was saved from the circumstances of drowning. God saved him. I mean, the message of Jonah is the message of the, of the cross. God knew exactly what it would take for Jonah. He knows exactly what it will take for you. And, in the, and, and even in the midst of the storm, just because you don't understand doesn't mean that there isn't an answer. Just because you don't understand why doesn't mean there's not an answer. Just because you don't understand all the factors doesn't mean that God doesn't. And just because you don't understand doesn't mean there isn't an answer and doesn't mean that it ultimately won't make sense. That's the message of Jonah 2. That's the message of the Bible. So here's what I want to do today. Even on the West Campus and online, at the Germantown campus, here's what I want to do. I, I want to give you an opportunity to respond, not to me, but to the power of the Holy Spirit that's in this room right now. I want to give you an opportunity to be able to, to come to the end of yourself and cry out to Him. I want to give you an opportunity to speak to God and allow God to speak to you. 
I want to give you an opportunity for God to show up in the middle of your circumstance. And here's what I'm going to ask you to do. I'm going to ask you today, in just a moment, that the band is going to, to lead us in worship. And can you stay in your seat? Sure, you can. And if you're a guest and you don't feel comfortable with what I'm about to say, that's completely fine. But I'm going to ask you to do something. I'm going to ask you that if you're in a situation where you need God to show up, maybe it's in your finances, maybe it's in your life, maybe it's just something internal, maybe it's at work, maybe it's in your marriage, maybe it's with your kids, maybe it's with your parents. I, I don't know what the situation is. I don't know where you're drowning. But he does. And I'm going to ask you to move from where you are and to come to the front. Even at the West Campus. If you're online, you can simply kneel right there by your computer. And I'm going to ask you to simply move from where you are and come and find a place to pray. You go, why is that important? Because change of pace plus change of pace equals change of perspective. When you move mentally, there's just something that happens. I'm laying this all down at this seat. I'm, I'm laying this all down right here. I'm going to change my posture for a moment. I'm going to change my pace for a moment. I'm, I, and I'm just going to come and I'm going to kneel and I'm just going to find a place to pray. And I'm just going to lay it all down because when I get up from that place, the problems, the issue, the circumstance that I'm going through, I'm going to leave it there. And I'm going to walk out of this place a different person. It's just a mental thing, more or less, for us. And I'm going to ask you to do that. Even at the West Campus, I'm going to ask you to move from where you are in just a moment and come to the front. We've provided space here for you to be able to pray, even in this movie theater. I'm going to give you that opportunity. And here's what we're going to do. As you come... Just find a place to pray and to kneel and just give it to God. You just tell him, just the way I'm talking to you, just tell him your frustration, your fear, your sorrow. But before you get up, come to the end of yourself and ask him to show up because that's when he can answer. Get it all out, but that's when he can answer. Don't just come and blame God. Don't just come and just and just. Just, you know, relieve all of your frustrations. But say, oh God, I need you. Oh God, I ask you to forgive me if I've done anything wrong. Oh God, I need your help to help me on this journey. Oh God, I need strength for the journey. Oh God, one more time I come before you. And you go, but pastor, I've been to this place many, many times before. Come again. I don't care if you have to, if you have to ride the altar all the way to heaven. It doesn't matter. Come and find a place to pray and let God show up. And then what the band's going to do, they're going to continue to lead during worship. I'm going to come back in just a minute, and we're going to close in prayer. Now, let me say this. I do this not because we need to fill time and fill space, but because I believe, the staff and I have been praying this week, and I believe that God is going to meet you and your need right where you are today, right here at the front of this, of this room. And he's going to show up and deliver you from whatever's going on in your life. Father, I just thank you today in the name of Jesus that we can come before you. I thank you for your word, God, that we stand upon. And Lord, I know that many of us, God, we identify with Jonah because we found ourselves in this situation. Maybe by our own choosing, maybe by circumstance beyond our control. But Lord, we are drowning. God, we are in over our heads. God, we need you to show up. 
We need the miraculous power of God to show up. And we ask in the name of Jesus that you will meet us here and that you will do what no man has the ability to do. And that is to save us, to rescue us today in Jesus' name. Come, find a place to pray right now as the band begins to lead us.